Amen. I appreciate uh, that very, very much. Your Bibles are open to Philippians chapter 4. We want to walk through uh, much of the passage of Scripture that we just read. Uh, oftentimes when I preach, I try to have some type of an illustration at the beginning uh, to, to sort of set the mood. And, and, and I really think this morning I, I, I've got the worst illustration that I've ever come up with. Uh, it, it is maybe the dumbest illustration that I've ever come up with, uh, but I came up with it at 3 o'clock this morning, so that, that just explains a lot. In the summer of 1988, there was a song that rose to the, the top of the popular music charts. I'm not promoting popular music or anything like that, but there was a song uh, that, that rose to the top. It, uh, it sold millions and millions of copies, um, and, and uh, you heard it everywhere. If you walked into a restaurant, it was playing. If you went into a gas station, it was playing. Uh, over the, the years that have passed, it has been incorporated in television commercials uh, and, and things like that, and you'll still, you'll still hear it. And it is possibly one of the dumbest songs next to Baby Shark. <laughs> How many know Baby Shark? Wow. Uh, my grandkids could sit and just watch that on some YouTube video and play it over for hours. One of my grandsons found a, a YouTube channel that did it in Japanese, which I think is where it came from. That's why they lost the war. But this song is right up there because it's almost a nonsense song. It was written by a guy from one of the Caribbean islands. His name was Bobby McFerrin. How many know the song already? Yep, a whole bunch of you just gave a lot about your past away. The song is called Don't Worry, Be Happy. How many know it now? Um, I'm not going to start singing it because it's one of those songs when you get it in your head, it's like Baby Shark, you can't get it out. Some of you, it's already there. And I'm thinking I probably should have used this illustration at the end of the sermon because you're not going to hear anything. You just don't worry. Be, that's, that's it. Here, I, got, I can't get rid of it. I'm a mess. It, it's just, do you know that, that half of the song goes like this? Ooh, ooh, hoo, hoo, oh, ooh, hoo, hoo, ooh, ooh, ooh. That's one big long line. That's half of the song. And the lyrics are two pages long. It, it's, at least it's not like Baby Shark where they just change the name, you know, Mommy Shark, Dad, or whatever. Um, but it, don't worry, be happy. And, and it was supposed to be one of these pick-me-up songs. But do you know that that's some of the dumbest counsel you're ever going to get? Have you ever had a problem and somebody said, you really just need to stop worrying about it? Did that help? How do you just stop worrying? It's like... Don't worry, be happy. How do you stop that song from being in your head? Um, one of the verses, one of the verses that actually has words to it. Um, let me see if I can, uh, here it is. He said, he, he's talking to the listener of the song who's making him a multi-millionaire. Ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry, be happy. The landlord say your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry. Ha, 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 ha. Be happy. Look at me. I'm happy. Of course he's happy. He's a millionaire. He's not worried about how to pay his rent. 
And uh, you say, where are you going with this? Um, you know, it's, I guess it's a fun song. I, I don't know that there's anything necessarily wrong with it. Uh, you know, that type of thing. But there's a... There's a, a sort of a mindset there, just don't worry, be happy, and all of your problems are going to go away and, and, and all that kind of thing. And that's really not how life works. In our Bibles this morning, the Lord makes a statement to us in verse 6, if your Bibles are still open. Philippians 4, verse 6, just the first phrase of that verse says, be careful for nothing. The word careful means full of care. It means worry. It means stressed. Worry about what? Nothing. nothing. Be stressed about nothing. Be careful for nothing. Now, listen carefully. That is a command of the Bible. That is a command for me to be careful for nothing. We all go through situations, we go through problems, we, we, we have problems that, in, uh, that are conflict or financial or health. Uh, there, there's a multitude of things that we deal with and yet the Bible says, I am not to be careful or worried or stressed about any of them. That's a command of God from me. How many of you are obeying that command? We're going to have an altar call now. That's a tough one, isn't it? Yet God says, be careful for nothing. In Psalm 37, David starts that remarkable psalm with the words, fret not. Fret means the same thing as worry and, and stress. Um, I'm pretty sure that worrying and fretting are my superpowers. I'm that good at it. Uh, I'm an introspective person. I, I, I take everything uh, personally, I keep it inside, and I maul things over and so forth. Um, and and I, I, that's part of the way God made me, but I have to be careful that I don't let that become a sinful problem for me because the Bible says I'm not supposed to fret. David repeats that two-word phrase, fret not, four times in Psalm 37. Fret not. Be careful for nothing. But unlike the guy that wrote that song that will stay nameless so you don't get it back in your mind again, God doesn't do it that way and say, hey, don't worry for nothing. I almost did it. God, God doesn't do that because that would be, if you will, unfair. How do I not worry about things? How do I not let stress overtake me. You, you do know that stress is a major health, it causes major health problems. Stress can bring on stroke and heart attack and indigestion. Uh, it can bring on migraines. It can bring on all types of health issues um, and, and so forth. And so God says, be careful for nothing. But our God is a wise God. He knows our human limitations. And God never gives a commandment without giving us the ability or the know-how of obeying that commandment. He, he's, he's a good God and he's a wise God. And in Philippians chapter 4, if you look at that verse 6 again, be careful for nothing. Is that followed by a period? No, it's not the end of the statement. God's going to follow up on that. He's going to build on that. And if you will, in this amazing, wonderful passage of Scripture, God teaches me how to overcome worry. 
God teaches me. And it's not by ignoring my problems. They're not going to go away. Uh, I'm going to have to face them. I'm going to have to deal with them. But they don't have to destroy me in the process. Um, I want to give you four things that Philippians 4 gives to us in this world that we live in so that we're not full of care. Care will rob you of your joy. Is that not true? How many have laid awake all night, tossing and turning because there's something going on in your life and you just can't shut it off? And you're, it's how am I going to pay the bills? What am I going to do? Somebody has said, how many have done that? Okay. Um, it, 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 it takes away your joy. It takes away your peace. Did you know that worrying can even take us out of the will of God? It really can. Keep your place here. Turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. This is where the Savior begins a series of parables. That's a, that's a heavenly, uh, an earthly story with a heavenly application to it. And the first one he gave was called the parable of the sower. And about a man went out planting seed. And, and uh, he starts talking about it uh, early in the chapter in verse number three. And some fell on the wayside and the birds devoured it up. Some fell on stony places and, and uh, it didn't get any root. And the sun came up and burned the roots and it died. Some fell among thorns and got choked out. And then some fell on the good ground and that's the ones that produce uh, seed. Uh, some a uh, hundredfold, some 60, some 30. The disciples asked him a little bit about that later. So he explained that parable. I'm not going to explain it all, but would you look please to verse number 22? He also that receives seed among the thorns, is he that heareth the word. The, the seed is the word of God. That's what you're getting right now. I'm planting the word of God. Uh, is he that heareth the word of God. Read the next phrase with me, church. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. What are the next three words? What do they do? Choke the word. And he becometh unfruitful. When I let the care of the world fill me, be careful for nothing full of care. When I let the cares of my world fill me, it's choking out the word of God. And I'm going to become unfruitful. It's going to hinder my career. And I can be doing everything else right. I can be trying to read my Bible or pray or preach or, 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 or whatever, but I'm doing it all and my mind is so occupied with my worries and my fears and my, my troubles and all of those things and that care of this world is not just taking away my joy and my peace, it's choking the word of God that's supposed to work in my life and transform me and I become an unfruitful Christian. And we all share some of the same cares. How many are really concerned about just what's going on in our government and in our society? Anybody like me? I can't even believe some of the things my grandchildren are facing now and what they're going to face as time goes on. I, I don't understand a lot of it. And, and if I, I don't listen to a lot of talk radio. Because guess what? Sean has no answers. 
He just reads the same mindless list of things over and over again, rapid fire. He doesn't have an answer, and neither do Buck and Clay and Billy Bob and Rhubarb. They don't have it. Here's the place you're going to find the answer. But I listen to that enough, and you know, I just shut it off and think, I need therapy somewhere. If we're not careful, the care of this world will just crush us down, and we'll be unhappy we'll be angry, we'll be frustrated, and the word is getting choked and we don't even realize it's happening. We don't even realize it's happening. So back in Philippians 4, I have this command from the Lord, Tom, be careful for nothing. I do not pretend this morning that I'm obeying that 100%. Excuse me, I'm having a mic issue here. Um, this is a constant daily thing that I've got to put into practice because the cares of this world come barreling in on me. Sometimes I get blindsided by them. So how do, how do I not be careful and worried and stressed? Number one, it's called right, I'm going to use the word right here, right praising. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord, next word, always, and then he repeats it. And again, I say rejoice. Do you ever have to tell your child twice? Did you ever use the phrase, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times? How many have done that? It's in the handbook of parenting. You have to learn that. So, so God did the same thing. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And again, I say rejoice. Let's, let me just be personal. Um, I, I, I've dealt with this chest pain for a year and a half now. That's why I'm not sleeping because it's keeping me awake. It's not because I'm stressing necessarily about that. Uh, the doctors don't have any answer. I've had every test under the sun. Uh, and uh, now pain management is kind of at the end of the rope. And, and I'll look into a couple more things along the way. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I've yet said, dear Lord, thank you that I'm really hurting today. I, 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 I don't, I'm not even sure... Maybe, maybe I'll get to that place. Paul came to the place of uh, rejoicing about his imprisonment because of all the people that got saved. And there are other trials in my life that I've been able to rejoice about and see what God's on. I'm just kind of not there with this one yet uh, and so forth. But you know, that doesn't mean I don't have anything to rejoice about. Yesterday, I held my seven-week-old grandson and I hugged him for as long as I could. He was asleep most of the time. He'd open his eyes. He'd look at me. He would say, Papa, you're my favorite. Close his eyes again. And, and I got to hold my little grandson. And, and, and I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes, something like that. Nathan came and sat beside me. He, my six-year-old grandson and snuggled beside me. And he wanted to hold him. And so I re reluctantly just leaned uh, over and put Na uh, uh, Wesley in uh, Nathan's arm. And boy, he held him uh, very, very carefully. And uh, he held him for about 10 minutes. I looked over uh, one time and Nathan was resting his face against Wesley's head. And I'm looking over that, and, and uh, by the way, this was hurting the whole time. And I said, boy, that's the most beautiful thing that I've seen today. Thank you, Lord, for that new little baby boy. Thank you for his big brother uh, that, that loves on him the way that Nathan does. You see, no matter what I'm going through, if I'll take the time, I'll find out that God was still good that day. 
I'm still breathing. I've still got food. I've still got a house. I've still got a church. I still live in a free country. I've still got a Bible. I'm still saved. I've still got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I've still got three great kids and 11 great grandchildren. I'm blessed. I'm blessed beyond measure. There used to be a day that every morning I would write out a prayer list and a praise list. And one day I got convicted because on my praise list, I had two or three things. And on my prayer list, I had two or three columns. And I'm now, now I'm writing in the, 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 you know, the outskirts of the page. And I got convicted that I had more things that I was praying about, problem type things that I was praying about than that I was being thankful for. And I decided that I was going to change that. And that I'm going to put the same prayer request down because God wants to hear my prayers. God wants to hear your prayers. I'm not saying don't. Don't pray. We're going to get to that in a moment. But I'm saying make sure you got the praise in there. God put praise in here in this passage before he put prayer. The Bible says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Um, that, that's why when I pray in church, I almost always try to start out, Lord, I love you. We love you. Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm trying to obey the Bible. I want to go into his courts with praise because he's a good God. And see, when I'm praising, and I mean I'm praising whether it's silently in my heart or I'm praising with my lips, whatever it happens to be. Do you know when I'm praising? My mind is not focused on my worry at that exact moment because God didn't didn't wire us that way to think about two things at the same time. That's, we're just not made that way. So, you know, I'm praising God like yesterday. I was praising God for Wesley, and I, I just cherished those moments. Um, and I realized it looks like he may take after his big brother, Tommy. Tommy is eight years old. He wears size seven and a half men's shoe. I have a whole bunch of size eight men's shoes in my closet ready to hand down to my eight-year-old grandson. This is pathetic. And I realize one of these days, Wesley may be like Tommy. He might be ready to hold me, but right now I get to hold him. And I didn't think one time about my chest hurting. I didn't think one time about anything else that's heavy on my heart right now. Because right at that moment, I was praising God for that precious little grandson. Rejoice in the Lord how often? Always. Always. Do, do you know how to work through that worry and live a life where that worry isn't choking the word of God? Start out with right praising. I'm not minimizing your worry. I'm not minimizing your trouble. I'm not minimizing your pain, the conflict. I'm not minimizing anything that you're going through. I'm trying to get you to Lift up your eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. I'm, I'm trying to get you to lift up your eyes for a while and just say I'm, I'm hurting or I'm going through a trial. I'm going through a conflict. But God, you sure did this for me. And God, I had food today. And God, I've got a car that runs. And God, I've got a job. And God, I've got a family. And, and uh, you may not have all the same things to praise as somebody else does. But you've got them. Amen. Right praising. Number two is right praying. Right praying. Verse six. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing, but in, notice this, everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, 
Let your requests be made known unto God. I've mentioned this before, but I read a study by the Barna Group. It's an evangelical sort of uh, polling place like the Quinnipiac polls we hear at presidential and election times and so forth. The Barna Group does that uh, from an evangelical standpoint, not so much on the political spectrum, but on the health uh, not necessarily of all independent Baptists, but of evangelical Christians, churches that would preach salvation right uh, and so forth. And uh, some years ago, they did one of pastors. And I, I forget how many thousands of pastors uh, that they sent the questionnaire out to and everything is sent back in anonymously. No names are there and so forth with the idea that people be more honest that way. And they found out that the average pastor in America, the average pastor prays seven minutes a week. That's a minute a day. Seven minutes a week. If the pastors who are supposed to be the spiritual leaders, the shepherds, the overseers of the flock are only praying seven minutes a week, what's everybody else doing? Now, that's not all of them. That's not all of them. Uh, I, I know pastors, personally, that pray two and three hours a day. John Wesley would get up at something like four o'clock in the morning, and he would start praying, and he would pray for uh, uh, two or three hours, and then they'd call him down for breakfast and family devotions. Then he'd go back to his study, and he'd pray for another couple of hours. Someone, years later, as, as he kind of testified a little bit about his time in prayer that he had been asked about it, someone said, if I prayed that much, I'd never get anything done. And Wesley's response was, if I didn't pray that much, I'd never get anything done. Uh, one person said, pray like everything depends on God, because it does. Work like everything depends on you. If I'm going to have the peace that passes of understanding, that's promised in verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds <clears throat> through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Peace is the absence of worry. And worry is the absence of peace. If my prayer life is right, God says, I will give you my peace. I've been in multiple situations in life where there was a need coming along and the need was not fulfilled, but through a season of prayer, God granted me that peace that I could not explain to anyone else and I could not tell you why I knew everything was going to be fine. It wasn't a don't worry, be happy refrain. It was the reality that God placed in my heart that he had this and he imparted that peace in my life and it didn't come from worry it came from prayer worry has never made me at peace it has never made me happy and it has never solved the problem but prayer has done it over and over and over and over again in 2006 those of you that were here back then remember that my wife and I traveled to the outer banks of North Carolina where I was scheduled to preach that is where I first got sick. I never got to the pulpit. Saturday night, I was taking train and took me to a little hospital on the island, and they found out that my right lung was filled with fluid from the pneumonia. There was infection on the outside of the lung, and then across my chest on my spleen, it was covered with a similar infection. They put me in an ambulance and sent me two and a half hours north to Chesapeake, Virginia, 
where they had uh, uh, specialists in that. I arrived there late, late Saturday night or early Sunday morning. Sunday afternoon, they put me in intensive care, and Monday afternoon, they told Trina to call the family because I wasn't coming home. I don't think I've ever been that sick in my life. I'd never had pneumonia, did not know what it could do. I lay there fighting for every breath on 100% oxygen for several days. All of a sudden, my brother and sister-in-law showed up from Pennsylvania. My kids all showed up. My sisters showed up and so forth. And none of them told me that they were called there to say goodbye. But I figured it out. Some of you have been there. You've been through something and you were at that place. And uh, I couldn't talk to anybody about it. I had no energy to do that, so I, I just lay there. There was an evening, I think it was a Thursday, but don't quote me, things blurred a lot. It was just Trina and I in the room. She was all gowned up in cap and shoes and gloves and, and mask and everything. Uh, nobody was allowed to touch me. I was in a sterile room. And she was sitting over here reading her Bible, and I was just laying in the bed. And all I could do was pray. I couldn't even pray out loud. I just prayed, just prayed, just pouring out my heart to God. I have no idea how long, no idea how long. But during that prayer, I know the tears were coming down because they were running down into the mask and I didn't have the energy to move it or dry anything. And I, I remember that sensation when all of a sudden I just got that squeeze on my arm and I just assumed it was Trina seeing my distress just letting me know that she was there. And I slowly turned my head to acknowledge her, and maybe nod my head, thank her for being there. And she was there, sitting about five feet away in a chair reading her Bible. There was nobody else in that room. It was us. Oh, I'm sorry, I was wrong. God was in that room. You can say that I was high on pain medicine. You can say that I was delirious from lack of oxygen. You can say anything that you want, but I knew at that exact moment that God had heard my prayer. Somehow I motioned with my hand and Trina caught the movement and came over and I pulled my mask down and all I had the strength to say is God just told me it's gonna be okay. And I put the mask up. You say, oh, you're making things up. Really? Three days later, they moved me into a regular room, and five days later, I came home. And here I am. That's the peace that passeth understanding. I didn't worry myself there. I didn't stress myself there. And I had so much to worry about. I found that God keeps his word, and if you'll take the time to just pray and pray, you say, how long do I pray? Till he gives you the peace. Or he gives you the answer or both. Right praise, right praying. Look at verse number eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So if I'm going to live and obey that command to be careful for nothing, number one, right praising. Number two, right praying. And number three, right pondering. I'm keeping the peace so Brother Rob stays, stays with me in the sermon. Right pondering. Our thought life. We, we understand the book of Proverbs says, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
We are the sum of our thought lives. We really are. Um, that's why the Bible says the man that is going to be blessed of God, Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he what? Meditate day and night. Meditation is what we do with our mind. We mull it over. We think it over again and again and again and allow it to sink deep on the inside of us. David said, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. God says you want that peace that passeth understanding. You, you want to live a life where your worries aren't choking the word. The, the problems that you're dealing with aren't choking it out. You're not losing your peace. That you're truly careful for nothing. Right pondering. I got to keep this thing under control. It was probably 22 years ago. I was talking with Jeff St. Ange one time. And he made this statement to him. The first time I ever heard it, he said, Memory Lane has a bad neighborhood. Think about that. Memory Lane has a bad neighborhood. How many have some things that happened in the past that weren't so nice? Okay. How many of you from, from time to time just find your mind wandering back there? Make you happy? No, it stirs up those old emotions all over again. Well, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe. And, and, and all of a sudden, we're all messed up. Um, and it's done and over with. We're reliving the whole thing. It's wrong pondering. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Um, my mind is supposed to be submitted to the Lord. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, too, that we're not to be conformed to this world. But we're to be transformed How? By the renewing of your what? Of your mind. I spoke to the staff the other day. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 said that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Uh, I made mention of this. We all, we've all heard the phrase, and we may have even used it, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. How many have heard that? Totally unbiblical. Totally unbiblical. You are entitled as a Christian to have the mind of Christ. Now, that, I, I realize that doesn't deal with Taco Bell. That's the illustration you used the other day. What's better, Taco Bell or Burger King? Neither. They'll both be in the lake of fire. That's what people have to eat for eternity. They're neither one really good for you. That's not what it's talking about. But uh, everything we do... Is, is, is that what Jesus thinks about it? How do we know what Jesus thinks? Well, I'm looking at Brother Graf back there, and I think he's with me in the sermon right now. He's kind of smiling. He might be laughing at me. He might be laughing with me. I do not know. But the truth is, the only way I can really know what Brother Graf thinks about me or about this sermon or whatever, he has to tell me. The only way I can know what Christ thinks about anything, he has to tell me, and he already did. He already did. So you have to ask yourself this, would Jesus talk about that person the way you are? If it's good, yes. If it's bad, no. Would Jesus lie? Would Jesus curse? Would Jesus take the Lord's name in vain? Would Jesus steal? Would Jesus be rebellious? Would Jesus disobey his or her parents? We have it all in the Bible. We have it all right there. My thought life, sir, to be governed by the word of God. Notice the checklist that God gives us. Go back to verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. 
I've heard people say, well, I, 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 what I'm saying is bad about that person, but it's true. Okay. Okay, it's true. Very good. Whatsoever things are honest. Well, yeah, it's the honest truth. Whatsoever things are just. Yeah, it's just righteous. Whatsoever things are pure. Well, I don't know that it's that pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Um, how many find dirt lovely? You do. You must be a farm girl. Okay. How many have ever been in Lancaster, Pennsylvania in the spring? How many have been there when the Amish people are getting their fields ready? How many find that lovely? Yeah, that dirt you're spreading about someone, that dirt, even maybe you're not spreading it, you're just, your mind is feasting on it. Is it lovely? And you know the answer is no. See, this isn't a pick and choose checklist. This is a checklist that every thought that goes through my mind has to meet this standard. It has to be true, it has to be honest, and it has to be just, and pure, and lovely, and of a good report, a good testimony before the Lord. There's six right there, and then it adds on to it, if there be any virtue, is this something godly and holy and spiritual, and if there be any praise, is this something that I can just praise the Lord about and I can point people to Jesus or is my whole purpose just to tear somebody else down? If, if it meets all of those things, I can think about it. Do you realize that eliminates a whole bunch of the stuff that my mind wants to go to? I'm, I'm never going to be free of that worry and that stress and that anxiety if my mind is filled with all the junk. And by the way, you can't control what I think about any more than I can control what you think about. On my worst day, we'll go back to the idea of praise. Praise is part of our thought life. You know, I've got so much to think about that is good, that is true and honest and pure just and lovely and, and full of virtue and praise. For example, I can think about the day I got saved. I can think about the day I got saved. 51 years ago, just a few weeks ago. I, I can remember the day as much as it was yesterday. Um, and and, and I, I can remember how I got up off, off my knees after I received Christ as my Savior. I'd been, I'd been wondering for years about eternal life and where I was going to spend my eternity. I just didn't know what to do about it. I wasn't in the church that preached the Bible and God brought me to one. And, and I learned that God wanted me to know that we have eternal life, 1 John chapter 5. And I listened to it. It was a Thursday afternoon and, and I knelt down and a, a, an off-duty police officer named Shirley prayed with me. And I remember praying and, and, and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I didn't join a church that day. I didn't get baptized that day, nothing like that, but I knew when I got up off my knees that day, I was 14 years old. For the first time in 14 years, I knew I was on my way to heaven. I knew my sins were forgiven. I didn't know all the terminology yet. I couldn't say redeemed and justified and sanctified and all that kind of stuff. I just knew I was going to go to heaven when I died. And it was the greatest moment of my life to have the burden of sin lifted off of me. Boy, that's something to think about. That is something to remember. 
Uh, as I drove in this morning, this sermon was on my mind and, and I was walking through the various points in this one about right thinking. And the Lord brought something to mind to me that, that I hadn't re, sort of relived in a while. My dad didn't get saved when we did. My dad hated preachers. My dad didn't like church. He went with us and then just complained about everything that happened there. When I surrendered to preach, my dad was furious, called me every name you can imagine. He cursed at me. When I started Bible college, I got hate mail from my father. I was 17 years old. I remember the first such letter, and I had to walk to work on that Saturday afternoon. It was wintertime. It was cold, and I just walked down uh, Route 30 to Teeble's restaurant, just crying all the way to work with that letter, and I stuck it in my pocket, and that was just... That's, that was my dad. That was my dad. But I still remember, I can't remember what year it was, I got a letter from my mom, and it was springtime. And she said, I don't know why, but your dad wants to come see you. So we are planning on such and such a weekend, we're going to come see you. It's a 500-mile drive. Um, and so we, we made plans. I, I, I found a place for them to stay and so on and so forth. And uh, they, are, they arrived on a Friday uh, they went up to Chicago with me on Saturday, went uh, uh, visitation with me, and I showed them around what I knew of the area and so on and so forth. Uh, Sunday morning came, and, and I, I didn't go on the bus route that day. I just decided uh, I was just going to go in with my family. I didn't get to do that often. And we sat in the back row. That was my dad's place. That, he wasn't sitting any closer than the back row. Um, and uh, we sat on the back row at First Baptist Church in Hammond, probably 5,000 people in the auditorium that day. An old southern preacher from Nashville preached that day, Dr. R.G. Lee, uh, preached a sermon called Sinners in... No, not Sinners in the Hand. Payday Someday preaches some 20,000 times in his lifetime. He was, I think, 93. Uh, and he, he, just, he just preached. Brother House taught Sunday school, and my dad, my dad sat right here beside me. Didn't say a word. Dr. Lee got up and they had their morning service and he preached a marvelous sermon. And my dad was sitting beside me and we all stood up for invitation like we do around here. And, and uh, I, I'd been saved now about six years. Dad had been going to church and listening to sermons for, for much of that time, not, not always faithful. When all of a sudden I, I remember my dad leaning over to me and he said, I'll go forward if you'll go with me. I think about that as I drove in this morning. I didn't sleep much last night. This was hurting. I actually got up later than I needed to and still had some things that I wanted to get done uh, when, I, when I got in here this morning. And so the, a lot of things were weighing on me and I, I, I could tell I was stressing out, but, but I just really lived that. I remember walking my dad down that long aisle down to, to the altar and, and, and I remember one of the altar workers came. I said, this is my dad and, and my dad wants to be saved. And we sat down in the front row and he, he uh, led uh, my, man, my dad through the Romans road from the Bible. And I remember my dad going to the altar and praying and getting up and, and just a few minutes later I looked and there's my dad in the baptistry and Brother House is baptizing my dad. I remembered that day. The man, who, the man who was mad at me and hated me and I'm falling apart, just turned the pulpit on. The man that was mad at me and cursed at me and all of that for being a preacher and a Christian and all of that, I saw God save him. I saw God save him. The last words my dad said to me before he went to heaven, I said, Dad, can I pray with you before I drive back to Connecticut? He said, of course you can. You're my pastor. That's God. 
Listen, folks, I've got a host of things. I've got libraries of memory files about things God's done. Why am I not feasting on that instead of all the garbage in this world and the garbage in this life? Right pondering. God said you need to think on these things. Nobody can do it for you. And and may I remind you, verse 8 is a checklist. Every thought we think about needs to clear every category. We don't get to pick and choose. Right praising, right praying, right pondering, and right practice. Verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. He's writing to the church he established. Everything you heard from me, everything you saw me do. Look at the next word. Do. James tells us it's not the hearers of the word that are blessed, but the doers of the word. Just just do it. Right practice. And he said again, and the God of peace shall be with you. I, I don't know about anybody in here. When I'm starting to feel overwhelmed, full of care, I want to shut down. I want to just back away. I want to hide. I want to just... No, no, I just need to keep doing what God wants me to do. I, I need to keep living right. I, I, I need to keep going to church, and I need to keep reading my Bible, and I need to keep uh, praying. I need to keep telling people about Jesus. I, I, I need to just do whatever it is that God's given me to do. Paul says those things that you've heard and seen and received, do. Just, just do them. You, you just keep serving the Lord. When, when David said, fret not in Psalm 37, he didn't leave it at that and say, don't worry, be happy, and we'll, we'll go ooh, 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 and, and, and all that kind of stuff and numb ourselves into some kind of stupid oblivion. He said, fret not. He said, Here's the first thing. Trust in the Lord and do good. Yep. Just, just trust in the Lord. God's got this, and you just do what you're supposed to do. You do right. You talk right. You live right. You think right. You praise right. You pray right, and the God of peace shall be with you. The God of peace shall be with you. I have no idea who needs this sermon today more than I do. I told a couple of ladies back there, we were talking about something. I said, I wait till you hear the sermon today. I said, I'm preaching to myself. And this sermon really was for me. Because I'm one of those people that the cares of this world start crowding in. And that's all I'm thinking about. And that worry is robbing me of my peace and my joy. And can, can I be honest? It wasn't until I was preparing for this message that I realized from Matthew 13, those same worries and cares are choking the word of God and I will become unfruitful. I don't want to be that way. I, I don't want to be that way. So I can't speak for whether or not you needed the message Maybe you don't need it today. Maybe, maybe you're riding the wave up high. Can I just ask you to tuck this away? Because one of these days, it's going to dip down. And the clouds are going to be there, and you're going to be feeling it. Go to Proverbs 4. If you can, write those things in the margins beside those verses. Write praising. Write praying. Right thinking, that's the pondering part, 
and right practice. And then look up and say, Father, the cares of this world are coming in again. Please help me do this. And he will. There is a peace that passes understanding. I've known it. I've had it. But it doesn't come from worry. Doesn't come from fear. Doesn't come from hate. Comes from praising, praying, pondering rightly, and practice. Can we bow our heads for prayer? How many could